just uh, raise our hands and open our hearts to him. Let God begin to shape and touch and bend us the way he wants this morning. Not really concerned with how many people, but what he wants to do by his presence, by his spirit. As your hands are raised and your heart is surrendered. And you're letting them begin to bend our hearts. Lord, begin to bend our hearts. And Lord, we long, we're, we're baptized in your cloud. And we follow your adaptations this morning. And, and we trust you right now. Adapt our hearts. Apprehend our hearts. Bend them, turn them in the direction that you desire right now. And Lord, we're here for you. If you want us to go home, we go home. If you want us to stay we stay here. If you want prayer, we pray here. Whatever you're requiring, bend our hearts right now. You're the living Christ, and you rule in our hearts, and you move us, and you bend us, and you touch us, and there's needs in the house, Lord, and we're here for you. So with our hearts surrendered, our hands lifted up, and we're yielding to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're the head of the church and the Lord of our lives. And right now, we surrender. Will you tell them that? Just, I surrender. I'm quitting my struggle right now. I'm surrendering right now. I belong to you. It's all about you, my Father, who art in heaven. It's about your hallowed name being kept. And it's about your kingdom coming. It's about your will being done in and through my life. Oh, yeah, I thank you for the us, the giving us our daily bread. And I thank you for forgiving us. And I thank you for the delivering of us. But, Lord, tonight, today, it's all about you. First things first, in our hearts, you reprioritize our lives even now. You begin it last week and you continue right now. And you make a shift, Lord, in our lives in every generation, from the youngest to the oldest, that we go from the us to the you our father who art in heaven will you say that with me my father who art in heaven realign it in my life hallowed holy to be kept is your name let your kingdom come in my life in my family in this community in this city and let your will be done in and through my life The mysteries of your will are already unfolding. Let it be done in my life. Let the will of God be done in my life. Let the will of the Father be done. And with your hand over your heart, say, God, I'm shifting in purpose. It's not just about my existence. It's about your divine purposes. Why you made me. How you created me. The psalmist said in 139, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. David pondering before God David pondering before God and God begins to break open by his spirit and says yeah we have a fellowship and you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made and we're singing about it today that the hand of the Lord right the hand of the Lord is on us right that means the presence of the Lord that means the favor of God that means the sovereignty of God that hand of God will never leave you from the womb to the tomb it never leaves you and David got a peek into that And he began to say, Lord, you're amazing. Psalms 139. Tom, put that up for me. uh, 139, first verse. He said, Lord, you're amazing. Where can I go from your spirit? Some of you need to hear that today. 
you got to hear that the hand of God is never leaving you. From the womb all the way to the tomb. His presence will never leave you. Where can you go from His Spirit in your relationship? If you're backslidden and you're away from God, His hand's still on you. He said, if I go in Hades, your hand is with me. If I go up high, you're still with me. You might need that refreshing today. Psalms 139. Where can I go? Where shall I go from your spirit? Verse 7. And where shall I flee from your presence? God's speaking to you today. He's speaking to you today. Say with a quiet voice, God, you're speaking to me today. I need to hear something like this. We're singing about the hand of God. The hand of God's always with you, never leaving you nor forsaking you. He's, he was with you before you even were saved. He had a preordained plan for every one of our lives, even before we knew him. When we were six and ten years old, we didn't have him in us. He was visiting us, saying, this is me, and one day I'm going to be in you. Say, that's sovereignty. Say, sovereignty. Say, God loves me. His hand is upon me from the womb. Psalms 139, the psalmist reads like this. Oh, Lord, you have searched and you've known me. He's talking about his relationship. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue. You know it all, Lord. You've enclosed me behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Say, you laid your hand upon me. That's an Old Testament verbiage. But now it means the presence of God, the Spirit of God for us in these New Testament livings. Say, Lord, you never leave me nor forsake me. You blow my mind. Your hand's upon me from the womb and to the tomb. Such knowledge, he says in verse 6, is too amazing for me. It's too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't even attain this thinking, God, you're about to blow me up about how you really are, not how my paradigm thinks about you or sees you. And then he says in the seventh verse, where can I go? Where can I go? Say that to God right now. Where can I go? You called me from my mother's womb. Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? I will ascend into heaven, and there you are. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of dawn, and if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there, say even there, your hand, say your hand, will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. Say, your Lord, you're leading me. You're laying hold of me. You haven't let go of me. Will you say that? Lord, you're leading me. You lay hold of me. And you haven't let go of me. Never did you let go of me. Never did you forsake me. The hand of the Lord's upon me. From the womb. Listen to this. Where can I go from your spirit? He 
says, surely, when things are even overwhelming, the light around me. And he goes on. He said, it's too amazing for me to attain my relationship with God. Whether it's favorable at the moment or non-favorable, he's still with me. Say, he's still with me. Amen? Say, he hasn't quit on me. He's still dealing with me. He's still dealing with me. And then all, as he's pondering that, and as he's thinking with God and meditating with God, the 13th verse makes a shift and breaks open the Word of God even further and a revelation in the mystery of God Himself. There's a change. The first part, he's talking about his relationship. He's a grown man. The second half, he breaks open and God begins to visit him and takes him even further back about the hand of the Lord. Verse 13, he said, You formed me in my inward parts. He said, wow, God, even before I was born, your hand was upon me. Yeah, I know in relationship, I know there's struggle sometimes, but your hand's with me. But he goes, and God begins to break open some depth and revelation. He says, you formed me in my inward parts. You were with me in the womb. You wove me in my mother's womb. Say the hand of God, the presence of God is with us, formed us in the very womb. Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations before the foundation of the world in your mother's womb. Say womb. Even before you were born. And David said, I thought my mind was blown away when you were telling me this stuff about our relationship. But you just broke open in the spirit of God through the spirit of the writer. Listen what he's saying. God's hand is so, so real. And you recall it right now. It's going to strengthen you. The sovereignty and reality of God. That even before you did anything right, His hand was on you. I told you last week, 6 to 10 years old. I remember, I didn't know it was Jesus, but I remember Him visiting me, though He wasn't in me. And I talked to several other people and said, yeah, and I had some friends say, I remember when I was in Seaside, riding across a bike, leaving a, leaving a church. I had this sense, I'll never forget I had the sense of God, six years old, that everything was going to be all right, that I was going to be safe regardless of my situation. Say, so Jesus said, I'm with you, but I'm soon going to be in you. That's what he told his disciples. I was, I'm with you out here, but I'm soon going to be in you now. And I want you to recall those times. I talked to my wife. She said, I remember when I was six to ten years old as well. And I remember feeling that sense of safety from the presence of God before she was born again. Amen? You recall in your life, that's the hand of God. I recall in my life, standing on Bayview School, out in that cage that looked like a prison, staring out there, and that presence that I didn't know in me was already dealing with me. And I had that sense of God. And what he's telling us is, yeah, that's me. It's the Spirit of Christ. I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. And when that happens and I get in your life and you're born again, things begin to change. You're going to remember who visited you is now in you. And people panic like, hey man, i got to give more tracts out. How do I witness? The Lord's already visiting, visiting people out of the womb. They know it. And then when you tell them the word of reality, the spirit in life, when you begin to communicate that, they go, wow, that sounds like that one that I experienced outside of me when I was six. I had a buddy, I told him the same thing. He goes, you know, there's something to that. He goes, I was six years old in my house. It was in chaos. And I was having, my parents were having difficulties. And I was in my room. And the presence, this presence that I didn't know came to me and comforted me. And that one day, now he's in me. Amen? 
it'll make an evangelist out of every one of us. You go. God's already preceded us. Jesus already. Are you listening to me? And then he breaks it open and said, where are you forming my inward parts? Your hand was with me, forming me in the inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Means to weave together. I will give thanks to you. For I am fearfully, say fearfully, and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made, say made. When I was made, say made. In secret. Verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Look, can you imagine that sitting there? God's dealing with you about your relationship. And he breaks it open even deeper and takes you all the way back to the womb. And how he functions in people and callings. And his care. And his making of us. If you get this, you'll never have a religious concept that God's far from you at all, ever. No matter what. Say no matter what. He's got that plan for you. And he's not letting go of you. Until you die and get out of this earth, his hand is always on you. Amen. And he says this, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book, say the book. He, he, this is David, Old Testament, man, and he's getting a download of revelation from the Lord. In your book, what book? What, the, what book? You got the book of life, right? We got a, a bunch of books there. And in your book, we're all written. In this book, there were written the days that were ordained for me. Say, God, there's a book. And that book is written in me. In my mother's womb, I was DNA'd with a divine purpose in God. Before I did anything, before I even came out of the womb, you made me fearfully with that something of you. And every generation has that in their lives. And every generation has a DNA. It's DNA'd in you. In the womb. You can't change that. That's how God made you. Say he made me that way. Fearfully and wonderfully. Amen? All right. And in your book were all, all the things that were written of me, from you, the DNAs in my spirit. Listen, you could shoot over there so they could see it. Go to John, I think it's 1-9. It says, in the beginning was the word and Jesus said this. Uh, maybe 1-9. He said, the Lord Jesus lights up every single person that comes into this world. He lights them up in spirit, the full potential of who they are. Before they even get in the womb, he lights them up and he puts them in the womb. And he says, this is who you are. This is who I made you to be. That's amazing to me. Is that amazing to you? And then you start looking at these sovereignty realities and you start looking back. And I've been with the Lord 32 years. You look back and you go, I remember I remember that when I came out. I remember five, six, seven, eight. No wonder why you made me like that. I was wired like that. I hope you catch it. And there it was. And there it was. Hey, and there it was. The true light. And there it was. The true light was then coming into the world. The genuine, the perfect the steadfast light that illumines every person. 
Will you put your hand over your heart? Say, Lord, you lit me up in my mother's womb. You lit me up with every single thing I'm to be. You lit me up with the divine DNA, who I'm called to be, what I'm to do. You wrote in a book everything before I even came out of my mother's womb. And the way you made me was set for only destiny. I am destiny's child. Say that. I am destiny's child. I got a destiny in God. It's not a song. I have a destiny in God. And as you look at that word and you see the psalmist, Old Testament guy, the spirit of Christ not even living in him. And he comes out with this depth. And God breaks it over and says, not, so, not only that, but in the womb, son. Not only that. In my hand, you just sang it this morning, my hand's upon you. And my hand's not leaving you. And sometimes my hand can make you miserable if you're living in sin. My hand, Peter said like this. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Say the hand of God. That same hand we humble ourselves under. And he said, humble yourself under his mighty hand. For his hand will exalt you. The same hand that humbles you will exalt you in due time. Say in due time. Say in a set time. A God-ordained time. See, we've been talking about faith in the house. And we've been talking about elementary faith, right? Beginner's faith. Newbie faith, right? And then we're talking about the faith of God. The God kind of faith. That's in you already, amen? And then we've been talking about bearded faith. A faith for the mature. Because we're growing. Say we're growing. Thessalonians says we're growing exceedingly. Tell your neighbor, I'm growing exceedingly. I know it's so crowded in here, you might have to tell a bunch more. Turn around. Tell them all. I know. Come on, Norm. Norm, just push that guy out of the way and tell them. Tell them. I know. 10,000 or so. Whatever. And, the, and we're talking about maturing of faith. If you throw that up to me, Tom, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. I think it's the third verse. Exceedingly growing faith. And if, if he doesn't get it, just, just listen to me. And he, We're talking about a growing faith. Say a growing are you getting it? We're growing. People are growing exceedingly. Say exceedingly. Say abundantly. We're growing. Say exceedingly. We are bound to give thanks. I'm thanking God always for you. I'm thanking God for you. Leadership's thanking God for you. We pray every Saturday night for the generation, the awakening of your generation. I'm glad the ones of you are here. But there's a generation that is awakening. Say awakening. Paul says it in Ephesians. Awaken, O sleeper. Ephesians 5, verse, I think, 18. He goes, awake, 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 O sleeper. And we've been praying for the awakening of some sleeping ones in here and in the community. And guess what? People are awakening. Go figure, right? You should have known that. Sometimes you pray and it seems like a long duration. But people are awakening. Amen? People are beginning to awaken again. It says from their slumber. And what Paul says their slumber is that they're dead. They're not alive. And he, God's starting to make people alive again. Right? In your generation. Say my generation. Let me, let me turn there for you real quick. And we've been praying for awakening. Ephesians chapter 5. You can turn there. I think so. Is it 14? Go ahead and put it up there. 
What did I say, 14? Is that what you guys are telling me? Okay. And he says, for this reason, it says, awake. Say awake. Sleeper. What, what part of awakening, what he's saying is what? What does that mean to awake? It means to arise. When you're asleep, he's saying you need to arise up. Arise up from what? From being dead. And Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. And not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Don't be foolish and lacking understanding of what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine. And he goes, but be being filled. Say, be being filled with the Spirit of God. Be being filled. Songs and all that he tells you. And he tells him about being awake. And he goes back. If you go back the verses, he talks about how you get awoke. That's in verse 11, he goes, don't participate in unfruitful darkness. Instead, expose and reprove. And see, we've been, and, and he goes on, expose and reprove. And that's what happens. That's how people awaken. And I, we, I spend like, you know, I don't know how many percent of the time, sometimes you're uh, reproving people. Come on. You, you know better than that. You're better than that. Come on. You could do that. You're exposing them. Hey, that's the wrong motive. You're exposing. That's how he says we awaken. And we spend a lot of time here plowing that people would awaken, exposing, reproving, saying, nah, that's not that. You're better than that. Come on up. This is God in you. That's not that. And we do that a long time. But then finally, say finally, some people start awakening. Why? In the context of that scripture, because there was some foundation of reproving, some exposing, some oversight, some handling, some dealings with God. Amen. That's the key. So don't forget that. When, when you're getting exposed and God exposes you direct or through a friend or through a brother, through a sister, and there's a reproving, that's part of your awakening from the dead. Make sense? Make faith? Yes, it does. So we've been praying, awakening of this generation. And uh, last night, I was totally fed by this next generation. You know, things that Jeanette was saying, Josh was saying, Karma was saying. Philemon 1 says... That we're to communicate our faith of every good thing in us. I, Tom, throw that up there. We'll just do a little teaching since we have such a huge group. Philemon 1.6. And so the things are awakening here. And, and, and kids are awakening here. And people are coming out of their slumber and their deadness. Amen? He goes, and I pray that, you, that the participation and the sharing of your faith. Say the sharing of your faith. See, they shared their faith last night. I come in here. Usually we come in here and we just pray it out. But they shared their faith. They communicated their faith. And faith is what? A substance. Faith is part of God. Faith has a life. Faith has an energy. Amen? And as they begin to tell stuff in their lives from God's work in their lives, faith came out of their lives and it energized me. And it refreshed me. And I said, listen, that's what you're doing. That the participation and the sharing of your faith, you produce and promote full recognition and appreciation. Say appreciation. And understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing. Say every good thing. That is ours in our identification with Christ and unto his glory. King James, shift it over there. It makes it real easy. No big deal. That the communication, let's read it together. That the communication, and I want you to personalize it, of my faith. Say of my faith may become effectual. That word means energized. Energio, energized, full of energy by the acknowledging of every good thing. Say every good thing. Which is in me. Say me. Then point to your neighbor. Which is in you. 
which is in Christ, which came out of Christ in you. And as you begin to communicate, and they begin to communicate what God was doing in their lives by experience, they experience. Not by doctrine, right? Not by, well, I know the perfect doctrine. No, by a heart that was forged by faith. A man with an experience, right, is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And these guys are coming out and they're saying, listen to this. You won't, they're not telling me you won't believe that because it wouldn't be faith. But they said, you won't believe this. This is what happened. This person returned in my life. Unbelievable, right, to our natural head. But God's believable, right? Impossible things happening in their lives. If any of you guys want to communicate today, uh, any of your faith of what, I, what inspired me to, to everyone here, feel free. Uh, Jeanette, Josh, whatever. If you guys feel want, you want to say something, come on up and do it. It's a good day. It's a real family day. It's an oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, come on, Marvin. Come on. Sing it, Carl. Oh, happy day. Yeah, it's that kind of day. You got, if you want to come on up and talk, you can. If you don't, no big deal. If you want to communicate your faith, you can. If not, no big deal. But whatever you do, make a decision fast. <laughs> no pressure, but make it fast. Yeah, and I'll keep talking. But anyway, and they communicated that, and, that, and, and then, you, know, you feel that thing. And they, that communication inspires the prayer. And we're praying last night. And, you know, we've been, some of us have been in a long, drawn-out situation, right? Uh, elementary faith, you know, when we first got saved, I told you, you start out, and it's almost like you're in that boat, and storms are happening, and Jesus gets in it, and, man, you go right back to shore, no sweat, right? I, mean, I told you about that. That's, that's kind of like newbie faith. You, you start out, everything's easy. You get on that escalator with God, well, he's already there because you don't know anything. But he expects some more out of you. Say more. And then we get in boats, and he says, no, I want you to talk to some storms, okay? You're growing up. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want you talking to some things. And then we do it, and then we, we, we start out really good, like roaring, and then next thing we're hiding. You know, and he goes, no, 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 come on, keep it up. Oh, you have little faith. Come on, come on, keep it up. Amen? And then sometimes we get in another situation when it's a whole different order, and I want you to get this. Because faith is now. Say faith is now. And faith in salvation is today. Say it's today. You don't got to wait for nothing. To be saved, you don't got to wait. It's right now. Say right now. Today is the day of salvation. It says in Corinthians and Hebrews says, now faith is. Say it's now. And we got a now faith for redemption. Healings for right now. Say healings for right now. Say salvation's for right now. Say God's not withholding any of that. It's all about us laying hold of that. Say God's not withholding any of that. Say it with me. It's all about us laying hold of that. Paul said lay hold of eternal life. That's the kind of faith he said he to have. Lay hold of that redemption and that covenant that I already paid and bought. You lay hold of it. I gave you the faith of God, so lay hold of it. Don't call me down. Say not in your heart. Come on down, God. Please do something. He said, no, you have the faith of God in you. Say something to that. That's God. That's the faith of God. Say faith of God. In Romans, Paul laid it out in 10th chapter. He said, for the word of faith is near you. It's as close as your mouth and in your heart. It's not outside. God's not just sitting in heaven anymore. Though he's in heaven, he's also in you now, right? He's in you. Tell your neighbor. He's in me. It's the revelation of Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's the revelation of the treasure that's in me in the earthen vessel. That's the, the revelation of the epistles. Not just one day in heaven. No, he's in me right now. And the kind of faith he's saying that you have, you have the faith of God. Say, I have it. You got a measure when you got born again. He put it in us. And that's why Jesus in Mark 11 was walking and he said, from now, from now on, 
have the God kind of faith. Have it. You got it. Speak to these things. Amen? But what says it? The word is near you. Say it's near me. Say it's near me like you really believe it. <laughs> It'll make me tired. <laughs> It'll make me tired. Say the word is near me. It's in my mouth. It's in my heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And then he goes on and says, don't call for God come down. Don't say come up. Say it's right in my mouth and it's right from my heart. Say it's right in my mouth and it's right from my heart. That's the God kind of faith. That's what I have. Say I have it. I'm not waiting to get it. I got it, man. But I got to use it. Amen. He says, but the righteousness based on faith imputed by God and bringing right relationship with him says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. And that's what he's saying. Don't do that anymore. Just start saying it right now. Amen. Just start proclaiming it right now. Amen. Say, that's where we're at. The faith of God, right? And so that's for right now. Say, right now, redemption. Say, right now, redemption. Don't wait tomorrow to be healed. Receive it by faith now. Lay hold of. Say, lay hold of. I want you to say it with me. God's not withholding. It's all about me laying hold of. Say, I'm laying hold of. Of eternal life, Paul says. You got you to gotta get a grip. Tell your neighbor, grab him. Say, get a grip. Get a grip. Say, you gotta get, say, you got to get a grip. Huh? Lay hold of. And when he said that, when Paul was charged, the whole church was falling apart. And he charged Timothy and he said in the sixth chapter, lay hold of eternal life. It wasn't just for his salvation. It was continue to lay hold. Continue to lay hold of that eternal life until I turn these things around by the promise of life. Say promise of life. You read your Bible, right? First Timothy 6, lay hold of. And then the second chapter of Timothy, he goes, keep the promise of life. So I'm laying hold of that life until that promise of life is happening, right? Say faith of God. Promise of God. Say promise of God. Say it's for right now. It's for today. See, that's redemption, right? That's healing. That's, that's, that's all your needs being met. Say all my needs are met. Say it with me. According to his riches and glory. By and through Christ Jesus. Say, my needs are met. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't lack any good thing. Amen? That's a provision of God. Like this one, handfuls of purpose. I don't have a job tomorrow, but I got a need met today. Yeah, I've lived there. Anna's lived there. We lived there on that $4,000 uh, one year. You guys are saying, are you crazy? No. God provided that day. I didn't know what I was going to do for tomorrow. T that day. Say he's a provider. He wants you to learn that, right? He's your healer. Say he's my healer. With his stripes and wounds, I'm healed. When? Right now. He paid it 2,000 years ago on a cross. I have it right now. I'm not waiting to be healed. I am the healed. My body's just trying to catch up with it. <laughs> my body needs to catch up. My body needs to wake up. For if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken and restore to health. Your mortal body by his spirit. Amen. Say so that's right now kind of faith. But we've been getting to the next phase of faith, and I don't want people to get confused. And, and we've been calling it bearded faith. Tell your neighbor, bearded faith. Even tell the ladies, bearded faith. <laughs> Heather's rubbing her chin like, my hormones just changed. <laughs> I got a bearded faith. <laughs> it's a different order of faith. What word is God speaking to you? Listen to me. He says, the rhema is near us. The rhema is the inward word. 
The logos is a general word. Say rhema is an inward word. Rhema is a right now word. Say a right now word. For a right now situation. Rhema is what God's speaking in me. Tell your neighbor, he's speaking it into me. He's saying something to you. You're born again. You got Jesus Christ and the spirit of the father. You got them all in you. He's speaking to you a rhema. What's he saying to you? What's the rhema? If you go to, uh, maybe Anna, you can help me. John 15, hold my thought here about what God's speaking to you. Because I want you guys to go on to your next. And in, 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 uh, I think it's John 15. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask what you will. Right? Let me, let me try it. Let me see if I can get it in John 15, 4. Let's, let's go there together. John 15. Gospel John. I'm going to try to find it. It's important that you get it. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, right? So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am, say I am, the vine. And you are, say I am, the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. Say fruit. Say God's not into the showy outward leaves he's in the fruit it's not what you're saying out here tall hat no cowboy right it's the fruit bearing in here for apart from me you can do nothing basically saying i'm the source if anyone does not abide in me he's thrown away and he talks about the pruning of branches verse seven so this is cool because four he's saying abide in me and we always take that and sometimes we don't know what it means we go well how do we do that how do we do that? And he gives us a little bit more light in the seventh verse. And he goes, this is how you do it. I'm going to explain it to you. So it's not a big mystery. This mystery of my will is going to be unfolded to you. Tell your neighbor it's unfolded to me. Instead of me just saying abide, how do I do it? He says in verse 7, if you abide in me. And he says, now I'm going to tell you how. And my words, say words. He's saying part of the key of an abiding relationship. Or having my words, say my words. See, you're born again. You have the spirit of life in you. You've got God in you. And, he said, and, and so he says, you know, you remain in me. Yeah, you are. I'm not going outside of Christ. But he goes, part of that next, how you do it practically, is my words. My words are going to abide in you. Because if my words are abiding in you, you're going to abide in me. Are you hearing me? And if you're abiding in me, my words are going to abide in you. Are you hearing me? My rhemas are. That word abide me, words means rhemas. They're going to abide in you. Because you can go around forever and, and uh, have been born again and been awakened but never cultivate your spirit. And you, 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 though you're alive in God, you're dormant sometimes. And he's saying, I'm giving you a key that you're not flat anymore, that you're not dead anymore. I want you to abide in me, but it's my words as well are going to abide in you, and that keeps me living and active in your life. Say, abide in him. And in abiding words, words, say words, rhemas. See, God's in you. See, the Logos is an outward word, a general word, 66 books of whatever. That's, that's the Logos. But the rhema is Christ speaking in you right now for your right now situation for a happening of God to occur in you today. That's the rhema. Say the rhema. So I abide by, though I'm born again, I'm regenerated, I stay alive and refreshed by the words of his rhema. Isn't that good? It's not nebulous no more. You, you tell your friend, I abide. You don't you go, I don't know how to abide. Here you go. My words, my rhemas abide in you. Then ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. My Father's glorified by this, that you bear much. Say much. 
Much fruit. And fruit, when you talk about the Father being pleased, and he goes on after that and he says, uh, and so to prove to be my disciples. The fruit is his likeness and nature in us. Are you listening to me? Not the measure, not, not what's outside, right? Not, not all this outside activity that makes you the measure you are. It's the measure that Christ has formed in you in that area of your life. That makes you who you are. When Jesus cursed that fig leaf uh, tree, why did he curse it? It had big, beautiful leaves, showy stuff. Tall hat, we say in Texas, little tiny cowboy. Big leaves in religion, no fruit. And Jesus got bugged with that. And he began, he said, I'm cursing you. You're bearing nothing no more. I'm going to go over, overturn all the tables in religion. I'm sick of it. You should be sick of it too. Whatever's in your life, overturn it, right? So you're not going to be a showy leaf. And the older I get, the more I understand about God that it's not about all this outward stuff. All this outward stuff is fading away. It's about the measure of him formed in you, the beauty and the likeness of his very person, the depth and the riches of Christ in you, the treasures that are eternal and are going to go for eternity forever. Yeah, you don't have to wait till you're 52 to, to get that, by the way. <laughs> and my words abide in you. Ask what you will. And this is how my fathers glorify that you bear much fruit. So the words, uh, Joseph said something to me where he, he had on call. He went and said something to me yesterday. And he said we had a meeting with, the, with the, our younger group. And he said, I'm, I'm, I think I get it right. I try to paraphrase it the best I can. And he said, your generation, that he said it had, had something with the word. Your generation you remember how he said it? How did he say it? Yeah, your generation. Yeah, he goes, our generation doesn't know the word as well. Our generation hasn't done that. And I've been telling you and prophesying that for months, that old men are going to dream dreams, right? And young men are going to have visions. That it's time that they join together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, I told you the hour of visitation that God was visiting us. That he wants, that means oversight. It's time for uh, young guys that are coming up to get under some oversight for their insights so they can grow up. It's time for Elisha, Elijah to connect with Elisha's and let us walk together. See, that's the time that happens in the earth. It's time for David's that, that have uh, shed much blood, the Bible says. David's that had a heart after God. David's that warred and, and took land. David's that established some things to join the Solomons of the next generation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In your walk, you need both. You've got to have a heart of David. Say a heart of David. But you've got to have the wisdom of Solomon too. But sometimes the next generation misses all that warring, misses all that establishing. And they got a lot of gold at the house. And they got some wisdom. But they need both. Say both. And that's what's happening here. And so when he's saying that, we're going to get, we, want, we don't want to waste what our forefathers gained is what he's saying. We don't want to waste what our forefathers gained. We don't want to just uh, run around here without the word of God. We don't want to run around here not being under discipleship. We don't want to run around here without these, these experiences. And that's what he's saying. So they're getting together and they're beginning to communicate the word of God. Amen? I think Carmen said, I could sing all day like a canary. I love to worship God. It's easy for me and I love him. But you know what? I was in Bible school. I'm paraphrasing your story. And... Uh, I'm lacking in some discipline in the word. Isn't that what you said? See, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And then I have ears everywhere. So I know. It. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, God has it. He's set up. You know what I mean? You, you get it. I heard, I heard something came to my ear. So that's a good thing, right? So we're getting people in the word, right? 
And because of you're doing that, that group, and you're, a, you're learning that abiding rhema word, that rhema word is going to keep you guys abiding, keep you alive. Not just dormant, not just, not just dead wood. Say not dead wood. Amen? That's healthy. And I, and I rejoice over that, and I get happy about that. Because one day we're, we're all going to, you know, you want to impart before you depart. One day we're going to the, my wife and I are going to the upper room. <laughs> we're going to the upper room. And you guys will still be here. You know, and, and God's all about when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Amen? That's what, what we're going through. So we got newbies with elementary faith. We got people growing in faith. But we're getting to the next level of bearded faith. Say bearded faith. And what I'm trying to get to you is this. Those other ones come right now. They happen. They're the happenings of God now. But when you're talking about your destiny, some of the things that God put in you and made you to do, that doesn't happen but at a set time. And sometimes in those, don't get frustrated and misinterpret, but sometimes I'll, I'll call that prison faith. Say prison faith. I'm talking about a dungeon. And you're saying, hey, go back to what I told you. What, what, what kind of word are you getting, you guys? I want you to write it down. What kind of rhema are you getting? Because you're getting something. You're born again. You're God's kid. You're getting a rhema. Is your rhema Luke chapter 5 kind of word? And Jesus gets on the boat and he says, hey, I want you to throw that net over again. Are you getting that kind of rhema? Are you getting that kind of word that you've been in a boat, you fished all night long, and you caught nothing? Are you getting that kind of word? Is that the kind of God's speaking to you? And then you're about to quit, and then the Lord gets back on your boat and says, listen, throw the net over. Throw it this time under my rhema, his words, say his words, under my guidance, throw it on this side. Are you there? Is that the rhema God's telling you? I don't know. I want to make sure. Because if he's telling you that, I know he told Jeanette that. And uh, she, she uh, was 2007. She was going and blowing with God. And then she had some bumps in the road. And then basically God told her, Luke 5, throw the net over again. And you know what she did? She threw the net, right? And look how she's progressed. She's threw the net. So if that's you and you're getting that kind of rhema, God's telling you, Luke chapter 5 kind of rhema. I'm on your boat now. You're toiled all night. You're tired, you're telling me. You've done it your way. You're tired. I want you to do it Yahweh. I want you to do it my way, under my rhema, huh? Under my guidance. Throw the net over. Then you've got to go through the struggle. I already did it. And he goes like, no, no, struggle. Listen to the word, right? And then he, Peter finally, and you might have to do the same thing, submit your heart and go, I did it before. I toiled before. But God... At your word, at your rhema, at that living life word, you're telling me to throw it, I'm throwing it again. If that's you, do it fast. Under his rhema, by his guidance, throw the net. Tell your neighbor, if you need to throw the net, do it again. Throw it over. God will make that happening happen, amen? Sometimes, some people, is a rhema to your life, Matthew 14. That God is bidding you. It's a bidding word. It's a bidding rhema. It's, a, it's like, you know what? I've been in a boat for a whole long time. I've been in a boat that's been stormy in. I've been in a boat that's little. And I, I got to the point so much that I've been in this stinky little boat for so long, I'm comfortable in it because I feel safe. And if God's given you a rhema for a bidding word, a bidding word, he's saying that he walks on the water. Maybe we'll go over this another time, and I won't go so deep on it. But he gets a bidding word, and he's saying, Lord... First of all, they were freaked out. They were afraid. And they go, the Lord looks like a phantom. He looks like a ghost. I'm scared, right? That happens when we, we don't know what's going on. I'm scared. And then all of a sudden he gets there. 
And then he tells us, I'm giving you a bidding word. I give you a rhema to get out of the boat. And he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me. Call me. If it's really you, call me out of here. That's the rhema. If you're hearing that kind of rhema within you, a bidding word that I'm asking you. And God, see, the bidding of that word gives you the strength to walk on that word. And when, if he's giving you that bidding word, did you got something you want to say on this? Come on. Come on. You want to? Come on. She keeps, she's nodding to me on a whole different nod. Um, Thursday when we met, we talked about how, you know, some of us are in that boat, but we are too scared to jump out of it and swim, that we're still not swimming yet. And I talked about that with you yesterday, and I told you how in the physical I don't know how to swim. But with God, we can jump out, and we know that he lays a hold of us, and he's there for us, and we're not going to sink. Just lay hold of him because I still feel at some point that I got to hold on to these little preservers, these little floaties around because I don't feel safe because it's something unknown. I don't know how deep it is. I don't know where I'm going. And I feel like if I venture out too far from these things that keep me safe or grounded that I'm going to drown or I'm going to sink. But we have to hold on to God's word. And trust him wholeheartedly and know that he's going to take us. And we're going to swim with him. We're going to stay afloat. And we're not going to sink. Also, um, Thursday, uh, we talked about, well, I talked about how I don't feel like I have a word for anybody yet of encouragement or like my life can't be an encouragement to somebody else because I still feel like I haven't came out on the other side. And Carmen said, no, Jeanette, she's like, you are a walking testimony of what's going on in your life. She's like, you're still going, and you're going strong. You're not giving up. You're not stopping. So that was an encouragement to me that really spoke to me to help me keep going and not give up, no matter what outward appearances look like, because we know that God doesn't judge the outward appearance. He judges men's hearts, our hearts, and he knows what's in here and what wants to get out. Also, um, yesterday we were talking about blessings and how, and you talked about that right now, how we don't lay hold of God's blessings and God's promises that he's given us because we settle for less because it's like we don't feel worthy enough to receive those blessings. And they're there. But I think we get caught up in our mind in how, you know, well, surely God can't want that for me. It's not a God thing. We don't, we don't think that we actually deserve anything good because we get caught up in our own condemnations or convictions and we don't want to venture out and lay hold of those things that God said are ours. The promises are here. We just have to lay hold of them, grab onto them, and believe. And that's all I have to say.
that's all. I thought that was pretty awesome. And that's all? Yeah. That's right. I liked it. You embarrass your husband? Go ahead. He's used to it, Barbie. There's no embarrassment. He's died a million deaths. <laughs> that, that's, he hung on that cross. He died. <laughs> he look at look at He's like, I'm dead. Say what you want. There's no blush in here. <laughs> well, it's, it's a happy day, huh? It's a family day. I like family days. Don't you? Yeah? Sometimes it's always intense. Your hair's not blown back today, but that's okay, right? You getting, <laughs> you getting anything out of today? All right, let me finish it up because I don't want to. You know what? I'm going to haul. I'm going to finish this up and I'm going to wait. And we're going to go over and you remind me. Bearded faith next. Probably next week. That next level when you're in that prison house. And so you don't misinterpret. You find out how you really get out. Right? Don't forget to tell me that. I'm saying that out loud because by the end of the week, I'll forget. I'm holding you accountable. You, 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 you. Okay, yeah, you email me. Thank you, Ms. Efficiency. I love efficiency. Yeah. So what, what, what the, the rhema, the rhema speaking to you. So obviously that's speaking to several of this group, uh, Matthew 14. That thing about it's a rhema, it's a bidding word. It's a word like, hey, I want you to come out. And you know, when you're talking about the, <laughs> how cute is that? When you're talking about the, the rhema words of a bidding order, sometimes in reality, the most difficult part of that bidding word is not walking on water. It's getting out of that comfortable boat and breaking that little three-inch threshold. That's the hardest part in get, is getting out of the boat that you're so familiar with, getting out of the boat that you're so comfortable in, and crossing this little tiny, what do you call this other boat, the, the edge. From you getting out of here to over there is harder than walking on water. Because once you step out of the boat and you walk on water, that happenings of God is already there. But you can't. It's the same way with the miracle, the first miracle of water into wine. If you don't get the vessel and you don't put water in it and you don't bring it to the master, you don't see that God thing added to your thing. So that's the easy part. Once you bring the jar, the hard part in that is to get out of your comfort zone. You know, the fear when you're in that boat all those years and you're staying in there like she's saying and some of the young ones, they're saying, I'm in that boat. That's the hardest part. And then you go, okay, I got to stand up. And when you stand up, that's still the scariest part because when you stand up in the boat, it begins rocking. And you get up on the boat, and it's a rocking boat, and you got a choice right then to say, oop, I better sit down and be safe. If you've ever been on a fishing boat, I've been there. I've seen guys almost break their ribs because it got real rough, and they go high, and then they fall low, and they, they do. They break their ribs. But when God's saying, come out of the boat in that storm, and you stand up, it's going to rock. Tell your neighbor, that boat's going to start rocking. But I'm not fearing, Right? Because I got a rhema, I got a bidding word. He, in that word is a power of that word to get me out of my yesterday into my tomorrow, right? Am I buzzing here? Is this running out of juice? Because I'm about to run. I'll, I'll shut it down. Is it still recording? Okay. Because I, I, I'm, I'm hearing a buzz. But okay. So, so remember that when you're, when you're getting that bidding word, if that's where some of you are, and it sounds like it, that, that when you start getting up and it starts rocking, don't be afraid. That little threshold of the, the boat itself is the hardest part because once it's rocking, you've got you to gotta step up and, and get out of the boat. This part right here, pretty hard. Just like this. Do like this. Everybody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody do that. That's the hardest part is breaking that little threshold. Tell your neighbor a threshold. Say so you've got to cross over that threshold for your miracle in walking on water. Right? 
You've got to cross over, and that's, that's hard sometimes on our heads, like she was saying, your training or condemnation and, or all that stuff, you know, and God, but it's a bidding word. Say it's a bidding word. So if he's, if he's in that word and he's a, it's a bidding word, you can get out. You can walk on some water, and you're going to break some thresholds. And a lot, of, a lot of you guys are starting to do that. You're stepping out of the boat, and you're starting to walk on water. Amen? Yeah, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's time. Yeah, you've got to cross the threshold. Yeah, you got to cross it. Whether it's a, a threshold in, in the Webster's is, is simply that, what is that, three-inch thing that goes below between your carpet and the doorway? Yeah. It's a doorway, a threshold you got to cross to get through that door. What Paul the Apostle says, an effectual door, a fervent door, but you got a lot of enemies which are in your head, but you got to walk on through. Yeah, you got to cross the threshold. Amen? So if that's the word that you're hearing, stand up. When the boat starts rocking, don't panic. Step out, and then God will meet you there with that word. Amen? And, and, and on the next word, I don't know. I'm going to get into that maybe next week. Is basically this preordained word. It's a tried word. Psalms 105 said, and the word to Joseph was tried. And that's a different word. And you know when those kind of words, you're going to learn, and, and I want to educate on that, is that when you get those kind of words, those preordained words, that's more for God's calling in you, uh, what he's preordained you to do. It's not about a promise of God. It's about who he made you in God. And sometimes on those, you don't get out of that kind. You don't get out of that prison. You don't get out of that thing by any other way but the voice of your father and a tried word. You can't break out of that. You won't even get out of that prison by asking for a butler or a baker to get you out. Hey, can you tell him, help me out? And God says, no, two more years. And then I'm going to get you out when that word is tried. It's a tried word, and I'm going to break you out and watch what I do after that. So if some of you in there, and maybe some of the older ones, and we'll get to that next week, that you're not in a rhema word of, of a boat, walking out of a boat, but you're in that tried position. You're in that place that you feel like you've been in prison. And you, you, all you have in that prison is a few butlers and bakers. I've been, I've been in there. I've been in that a long time. But I learned the way of God, that I don't get out. By any natural means, I only get out by a tried word, by an appointed time, and then I come out of there with some bearded faith. Don't you know when you're in prison houses, you grow beards? Yeah. I grow them now, and, 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 and all you young guys look cool with the dark, but mine's gray. I look homeless. <laughs> yeah, I try, you know, you try to take it down. Keep it down at this level of stubble. People are handing me cups. I'm what? You look homeless. <laughs> that guy, he looks cool. You, you look homeless. <laughs> yeah, Wisdom. But, you know, you grow beards in prisons, right? And, and, and I want you to know and I, that Joseph, the life of Joseph, there's others in the Bible, but he depicts maturity in a full way. That guy was 10 years in a prison house, two more extra until he got out and never lost the dream of God. That dream of God is a dream life to your life. That dream of God motivates you. That dream of God keeps you from Potiphar's wife because it's so much greater and deeper. That's the dream life of God. Say the dream life of God. That dream life of God when you were born again lifts you up like a sheaf. And you have a dream. And you dream a dream that you're a sheaf standing up because everybody else around you is dead. That's the dream life of God. And it's in you. Amen. And I'm weighing out whether I continue. But I don't think I'm going to. Because I'll probably save it for next week for the... So all of us can be on the same page, if God permits. So I'm just going to wait for a moment. And, and, uh, and with your eyes closed, I want you to consider how to abide in God now. 
next generation how to abide. Like, you know, Christ is in you. You know, you got the life of God. And then you're learning to have an abiding word, a rhema, his words of rhema that keep you fresh in God, keep you motivated in God, keep you going on in God, keep you full in God. See, when we approach the word of God, uh, younger generation, I want you to approach that word as not knowledge. I don't want you to approach that word as doctrine like some of the old religious forefathers that you had. But I want you to approach that word as nourishment. I want you to approach it as milk, he says. I want you to approach it like meat, he says. He said, take, eat. This is my body. It's all about nourishment. It's called the tree of life. It's not called the book of knowledge. It's called the book of life. So when you approach that word of God and you start reading it, though it makes no sense to you, take what you read and begin to meditate that word. And let God visit you in that word. Amen? And then begin to get skilled in that word. Let him begin to speak you in that word. And begin to pray that word. And then the light will come. And things happen in your life. And the happening of God's are real in your life. So that's what you're doing. You're learning how to approach his words. And those rhemas will click, click, boom, come alive. That's you. You're saying, I got to come to that word. Yeah. I'm abiding. I'm going to hear those things. My sheep hear my voice. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the rhema of God. So you go there and you, you approach that word as it's food, it's meat, and it's drink, not just a bunch of ink. Because you're a living sheaf. Say, I'm a living sheaf. I'm not a dead piece of wheat. I'm full of life in God because he lives in me and his word lives in me. And then I pray that word and it becomes that rhema and things begin to happen. Amen? Apply yourself. Today's been a low-key day. It's application. Take what you're hearing today. It's more of an equipping. You know, I'm, it, there's no plowing going on today. It's equipping. It's experience. And you just take these things and begin to implement them. Say implement. Say apply. And that's what we're going to do. Amen? And maybe next week we'll get into some of these next preordained things and, and these, uh, these bearded faiths and maturities. Amen? Stand to your feet if you would. Did you get anything out of this today? Anything you took to heart today? Well, then give God thanks, all 20,000 of you. Amen. Thank you, God. Father, thanks. Thanks for today. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for how you speak. Thank you for the word of God that's near us, close to our hearts and our mouth. Thank you, Lord, that the enlightenment that we know how to abide in you. We have rainbows of God. Lord, we're throwing nets over. Lord, we're getting out of boats. And, Lord, we're going to stay in, in any prison with a tried word until it's appointed time. And, Lord, this place is in health. This place is in vitality. This place is awakening. And this place around us, the city, the community, awaking to God. Awaking to light. Awakening from slumbering. Awakening from being dead. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen.